Sawate to Skipoli and Sawate Omnes. Welcome again to another episode of Latin in Layman's. What we're going to be doing today, um, we're going to be getting deep in the reads of some uh, some scientific names, muscles within the human body. We're going to discuss the etymology, the Latin embedded within each word, and we're also going to kind of talk about their origins, their insertions, the actions of these muscles, and then I'm going to try and help you spatially or like with your body, kind of like understand these, we're going to kind of pull them apart. So, you know, muscles like the adductor pollicis brevis, I almost said brevis because that's how you pronounce it in Latin, but brevis, that's where we get brevity from, brevis in Latin means short. So for instance, just a little bit of an example here, you have your adductor pollicis brevis in Latin, abductor, ab means from, duco to carry means to lead. So it leads away from the pollicis of the thumb. That's the genitive singular form. So how do we make something genitive? Well, genitive is the fancy word for a possessive noun in Latin. So if I make thumb show possession, I could do either do thumb with a ticky mark S, or I could be the, the thumbs adduct, abductor, or I could say the abductor of the thumb. And then finally, we have brevis here. So we have ab abductor pollicis brevis. So abductor means to lead away from or to abduct um, pollicis of the thumb brevis short. So ag again, all together in Latin, this would mean the short abductor of the thumb. So this, the origin, is the lateral surface of the radius. Lateral means on the outside. So that's going to be towards the outside of your body versus medial is going to be towards the midline of your body. That's why the outer swoop of your quad on the outside is called the vastus lateralis versus the teardrop quad, which is called the vastus intermediate, I'm sorry, the vastus medialis, the vast, the broadest of the muscles towards the midline versus the broadest of the muscles towards the lateral, the outside of the body. Okay. So the insertion to give you a little spatial awareness of where this muscle is, is the base of the proximal phalanx of the thumb. So what it's going to do is it's going to abduct the thumb. So how about put your hand in front of your face, looking at it, right or left, it doesn't matter. And then I want you to see it, put all your fingers together. So they're kind of, they're all pushing together, but you're still like making like a, it kind of looks almost like a, like a triangle slash diamond with your hand. What you're going to do is in order to engage the abductor pollicis brevis, take your thumb and take it away from your hand, keeping all of the the pointer, the middle, the ring, and the pinky finger all kind of fixated together. But now what you're doing is you're abducting, you're pulling the thumb away from your hand. That's what your abductor pollicis brevis does. It's the short abductor. We actually have a pollicis longus as well, which is a longer abductor, which is also going to help in the abduction of your thumb. So now you can do a little bit of a you can isolate and move your thumb. And now you know that that's what you're doing. You are abducting it away from your hand. If you didn't know, now you know. So that's what we're going to be doing. We're going to take a lot of muscles. I have a list of 18, all based in Latin, big time. And I'm just going to try and help you understand a little bit more about the musculature uh, of your body and how it all is Latin. Skip it a bop. Slap yourself a bunch. 
all this is Latin. My pectorals, right? Pectoral literally means, or pectoralis means breastplate, essentially. <coughs> and I won't get into it too much. I don't want to make this longer than it needs to be. But if you're curious, would love to have you join me. Also, would love uh, for you guys to, if you haven't already, support me on wherever you get your podcasts. It's a very easy, very, very free way, as I mentioned time and time again. So if you can and your soul is moved to do so, my soul would really appreciate it and it would love it very much. With that being said, we'll leave it there. We'll move on. Let's go ahead and get on into it, y'all. All righty, well, I kind of already went over my very first one, the abductor pollicis brevis, but we'll go ahead and do that again. Abductor means to lead away from, or in this case, abductor, okay? So when you abduct, that is a physiologic term that we got to get familiar with, so I don't just keep on saying to lead away from. Um, this is also where we get the term abduction, right? We drive or we lead away from where that person ought to be and should be, Um but yeah, anyways, abductor pollicis brevis. In Latin, brevis meaning short, abductor, pollicis, making that the genitive singular form, aka to show possession. Instead of it just being thumb, we're going to say of the thumb. So the short abductor pollicis of the thumb. There you go. Like I said, the origin is on the lateral surface of the radius. The base, its insertion is the base of the proximal phalanx of the thumb, and it's going to abduct the thumb away from your hand. Its antagonist muscle is going to be an adductor pollicis brevis, um, or adductor pollicis rather. Adductor means to lead towards because ad, ad, is a prefix and a preposition in Latin that means to or towards, whereas ab, means from or away from in Latin. Sometimes it mean it can mean about or from, but in this case, we're just going to mean away from. All right? This is where we get, um, well, how about we'll do the abductor pollicis longus. In this case, what do you think longus refers to if it's, well, I'll give you a hint. It's the opposite of brevis. Brevis, where we get brevity, short, longest, where we kind of get long from in our English language. Well, in this case, if you think that abductor pollicis brevis is the short abductor of the thumb, what do you think the abductor pollicis longus is going to be? It's going to be the long abductor of the thumb. Not too much there. So again, it's going to be on the lateral surface of the ulna rather than the radius. So uh, because if you didn't know, we have so many muscles, especially in our forearms and our fingers. There are so many little teeny tiny ones that are going to, like if you even think about it, like try and make your fingers into a wave and you can see how your forearms just kind of do this rippling motion essentially there is so many different uh, deeper and super or deeper and superficial muscles that are going to help you because there's a lot of you know our hands connected to this world there are a lot of muscles that are going to be involved with all of the grip that we do just like with our feet as well you know the the, the there are the two things that ground us to this earth next one we're going to do ad, adductor brevis. In this case, well, what do we say adductor is? It's the opposite of abductor. Ad means to or towards. So we lead towards. In this case, brevis meaning short again. So this means in Latin, the short adductor, aka the short muscle that 
brings whatever to the midline of the body. And in this case, do you know where the, the adductor brevis is? Well, its origin is on the pubis bone. Um, and its insertion is on the medial side of the first metacarpal bone. What is it going to do? It's going to adduct the thumb as well. Look at all of these muscles and how they actually are going to aid in very similar things because you can move your fingers. They are such nimble, dexterous things. In fact, dexter in Latin means right hand. Sinister means left hand because those back in the day believed that if you use your left hand for all of your menial tasks and everything else, that was evil. You can't do that. So they would try and you know, negate that and make you start writing with your right hand, right? That's where we get ambidextrous, right? Ambi means on both sides. Dexterous means right. So ambidextrous literally just means right-handed on both sides, essentially. It doesn't mean that you are right-handed, left-handed. It just means you have both right hands. If you didn't know, now you know. Um, so then in that case, if we have another small muscle that's going to adduct the thumb, um, well, let's do another one here. The adductor hallucis. Well, what is adductor again? It means to lead towards the midline of the body. I hope that we're getting that fairly ingrained, or if not, you're thinking about it as leading towards, and in this case, the midline of the body. Hallucis, uh, spelled H-A-L-L-U-C-I-S, is the genitive singular form of hallux. Hallux in Latin, refers to big toe. Okay. So then if that's the case, then if you have the adductor hallucis and it's genitive singular, how are we going to make big toe show some possession? Well, we could either say the big toes adductor, or we could say the adductor of the big toe. Its origin is going to be on the pubis, ischium, and the femur. Hmm. Oh, yeah. That makes sense because now we're dealing with toes. So femur kind of makes a lot of sense as well as the ischium. The insertion is on the base of the proximal phalanx of the big toe. What is it going to do? Ad adductor of the big toe? Well, its action is going to adduct the big toe. Um, and its antagonist is going to the, be the abductor halicus, which is going to be the one that leads away from the body versus towards the body. So if you want to figure out what your adductor halicus is, why don't you look at your feet real quickly, spread them apart, spread your toes apart, spread them apart for me. So now what are you going to do? Well, bring them together, bring them together. And that's going to be, well, actually, I'm going to take that back here. I'm going to just relax your feet for a second, rather. Um, now what you're going to do is I, I totally, uh, that was the that was the abductor. Now we got to do the adductor. So the adductor of the big toe, what's going to happen here? It's going to lead towards the midline of the body. So if you're looking at your right toe here, how am I going to make my big toe kind of move towards the midline of the body? It's kind of hard, but you can do it. It move outward, aka you're gonna have to kind of stretch all your toes out together. Maybe, maybe you have some dexterous feet. I don't know. Well, with that that being the case, there's another one as well. Next one we're gonna get into is adductor longus. I'm trying to do a lot of adductors and abductors so that we can get that term ingrained in us. 
Um, <clears throat> we'll go into many others at a later time, uh, as well as we have quite a few that aren't uh, delving into adductor as we get a little bit further in here. So we have the adductor longus. Well, longus probably referring to long, adductor referring to to lead towards. Again, the origin is going to be on the pubis, and the insertion is going to be on the medial, aka the midline side of the shaft of the femur, aka towards the midline. Okay, adductor longus is going to adduct the thigh. So if you think about it, have you ever, they call it the good girl, bad girl machine at the gym. I hate that they call it that, but it's the one where you can either throw your hips apart against a, a you know, pads, and you're just basically bringing your hips out, and then you're letting them come back into the midline, and then you're throwing them out again. That's called abduction of the hip, um, and that's the opposite antagonistic muscle of what the adductor is doing. So if you think about it, what the adductor is doing is it's going to bring those legs together. So say if you were in the splits, or whatever, what are going to be the muscles that are going to help bring those legs back together? Well, they're going to be these inside muscles called the adductor longus um, that are going to help bring those legs back to the midline of the body. Okay. Now, if you wanted to, again, abduct your hips and engage your glute medius, because that's what abducting your hips, abducting your legs is going to do, then again, you would flip those pads on the other side and you would push your hips back out again. All right. So you can either push your hips out and abduct your hips and engage your glutes, your glute medius, especially, or you can turn those pads inward. And then in a stretch position where you're kind of in a, those splits already, you bring your thighs together, and that's going to be the adductor longus. Now, we also have an adductor magnus, magnus meaning great in Latin, referring to the great adductor. Again, this is also originated on the pubis, but also on the ischium and the femur. It's also going to be originated on the, or the, the insertion rather, is going to be the medial side of the shaft of the femur, just like the adductor longus. And this is going to be the same motion. It's going to help bring the thigh together. Its antagonistic muscles are going to be the gracilis, the pectineus, and the sartorius. Okay, those are the ones that are, that are going to abduct in this case. Um, <clears throat> next one that we're going to get into on a different part of the body, the biceps brachii. In Latin, bi means two, seps refers to head or headed. Um, and then brachii comes from brachium. Brachii is the generative singular form of brachium, meaning of the arm or of the upper arm, or we could do the upper arms, and in this case, biceps. Bi meaning two, seps, head. And in this case, in Latin, it means the two-headed muscle of the upper arm, or the upper arms two-headed muscle and isn't that what the biceps brachii is we refer to muscle heads in physiology anatomy and you know in the in lifting weight lifting realm that's what we call we call them muscle bellies and or muscle heads okay so we have the short head and the long head of the biceps if you didn't know now you know so where is the bicep originated if you didn't know it's the coracoid process the pro, the coracoid process of the scapula and uh 
it's like the super glenoid uh, um, spot of the humerus. I forget the actual full terminology about it, but it originates on the scap and the right below the humerus, right? Because actually, if you lift your arm up um, and stretch it up higher, 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 when you engage your anterior deltoid, you can also engage a, an aspect of your biceps. I'm not going to get into that anymore because you that probably went over your head and I don't want to get too much into the reads here. Its insertion is on the radius and the bicipital aponeurosis. Its action flexes the forearm and it also supinates the forearm. So I want you guys to look at your arm real quickly. And what is supination here? Well, supination, when you are supine, you are laying on your back. That's what supination is. Pronation is on the other hand, when you're laying on your tummitum. Also, pronation, supination refers to the arch of your feet. Maybe if you have flat, uh, you're flat footed, your podiatrist has said that you are, have really bad pronating feet, aka they fall forward uh, or they fall, you know, flat essentially. And they kind of, li they're lying down versus being a little bit more upright. Uh, cause we should have, um, stronger arches. But if you don't, you have, you have a kind of like a lying flat arch and that's what a pronating foot is. So there you go. Um, now to think about what this bicep is doing here. Well, we know that it flexes the by the, the arm, right? It's going to flex that that's the typical motion. But how about if you just were to like hold your arm, like out, like out in front of you real quickly, um, go ahead and turn the palm of your hand up to the sky and then turn it down, turn it up again, turn it down. Are you seeing that maybe there's a little bit of movement in that bicep? Because that's what it does. That's why people talk about if you really want to squeeze your bicep, try and do and try and squeeze and turn and rotate your wrists when you curl up to the top and bring your pinkies to, to lift up towards the sky more so because then you're kind of rotating and you're supinating as much as possible and trying to create as hard of a contraction. See, if you understand the etymology, the language embedded in the word, then you can actually be more science-based in your training and your lifting. So I'm also trying to show you guys in that respect, if you know the language embedded in the, in, in the medical nomenclature, then you can kind of be just more deliberate and science-based in the way you approach uh, your training. Okay. So if you wanted to, Hey, you know what? I'm, I, I haven't really been focusing on the aspect of supination in my pros, uh, 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 in my biceps rather. Now, on the other hand, maybe, Maybe I want to do a little bit of pronation. Maybe, maybe I want to focus more on working out my forearms, right? You know, maybe I'm going to be doing those, uh, the, the overhand curls, right? That are kind of more hard and they're going to be hitting that brachialis more in the forearms. Now let's get into what the brachialis here really quickly is because brachialis refers to, well, is, is also, um, a genitive singular form 
making of the arm. It's just the muscle of the arm essentially is what it means in Latin. Its origin is on the anterior surface of the humerus and its insertion is the coronoid process of the ulna. And what it's going to do, it's going to flex the forearm. It's going to flex the forearm. So what it's going to do is it's going to, hey, if you if you if you hand your have your hand out like as if you're going to give a handshake, why don't you tip your hand forward? That's the flexion of your forearm. Also, again, if you have your, not your palm, if you have your palm facing down towards the floor and the other side, the top of your hand facing up towards the sky, if you bring it back, like if it is, if you were revving a, an engine or something like that, what it would be is flexion as well. Look at that. And you can see your, your flag, your forearms flexing as you do that. So there you go with the brachialis again flexes the forearm and its antagonistic muscles are going to be the triceps brachii the triceps brachii tri meaning three steps again referring to head what are the triceps well they're the three-headed muscle of the upper arm or the upper arms three-headed muscle and well that's it it's on the back side of the humerus on the front side we got the bicep the back side we got the triceps Tri is three and three is bigger than two. So if you didn't know, the triceps actually make more of the bulk of your and mass of your upper arm than the biceps. So typically people are always focusing on the biceps, but if you want to give a lot of love and try and build some mass in those arms of yours, um, this was a big thing that I learned when I was a kid or like in high school. And I was like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Um, makes a lot of sense as to why, well, actually... Oddly enough, my biceps are stronger than my triceps, I think. Well, anyways, I thought that this was going to be a fun one here. The Bregmaticus. Bregmaticus refers to, well, in Latin, pertaining to the Bregma. What is the bragma? Well, its origin is the frontal bone. Its insertion is the skin of the forehead. What is it going to do? This is a muscle on your face that elevates the eyebrows and wrinkles the forehead. Its antagonist is the frontalis, which is going to depress the, uh, 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 the eyebrows and the wrinkles in the forehead. So if you ever are shocked and you want, uh, if you're raising your eyebrows, that's what you're doing. You're, you're activating your bregmaticus. And then if you wanted to kind of frown or maybe like give a little bit of a scorn or something like that, then the frontalis is going to be the muscle. There are a lot of muscles that innervate your face. Um, next one, corpo metacarpales, aka the corpo metacarpals. In Latin, this means the carpal of the metacarpal, all right, which is a very interesting thing. Well... Carpo refers to wrist. So then if we have meta, meta in the Greek means beyond. Uh, and then in this case, if we have corpo metacarpals, it means the wrist beyond the wrist, essentially. It has um, an origin of several muscles um, and its insertion are the carpal bones and the metacarpal bone. So it's all over. And what is, it, what is its action? It's going to both flex, well, not both. It's going to all together flex, extend, abduct, and adduct the fingers. So these corporal metacarpals are what's going to flex. It's what's going to make your hand into a fist. It's what's going to then from that fist ex extend and now you're waving high. Now what you're going to do is you're going to 
abduct your fingers and you're going to spread them apart. And then if you're going to add adduct your fingers, you're going to bring them all back together again. Okay. So there you go. If you didn't know, now, you know, next one that we're going to get into is the deltoid deltoid in the Greek literally means triangular. That's where we get Delta from, which is a triangle, right? Well, the reason why they called it a deltoid is because if you look at it anatomically, it kind of looks like a triangle. It's made up of the anterior, the medial, and the posterior um, deltoids. Anterior meaning in front, that's going to be a lot of the pushing motions. The, the, the medial or the lateral, I always forget actually because it doesn't really make much sense either way. Um, I think it's the lateral, medial, I think it's the medial deltoid, aka the middle deltoid between the anterior and the posterior. That's the one that's going to be engaged when you're doing an, um, a lateral raise, aka you're going to be taking your, your arm and you're going to be lifting it away from your body. And what are you doing there? You are abducting your humerus. You are taking your humerus and you're bringing it away from your body and you're also engaging your medial deltoids, which is also a mechanically disadvantageous movement. So that's why never go really heavy on the, that movement. Just try and get a pump in my opinion. That's why uh, um, I don't really mess with that workout all that often. I, you know, me, I deal with my shoulder issues and stuff like that, but yeah. All right. So if you didn't know, now, you know, um, the origin is the lateral third of the clavicle, the acromion process of the scapula and the spine of the scapula. So insertions, deltoid tuberosity of the humerus, and it's going to, like I just said, it's going to abduct the arm. What did we remember? Remember abduct is well, again, leading away from the midline of the body. And in this case, the antagonistic muscle is going to be the latissimus dorsi and the teres major. Teres major is going to be a part of that scapular uh, musc muscles that surround the scap. There are a lot of small muscles that surround the scapula that really help in that scapula stability. Even things like the serratus anterior, which is actually a muscle that is right above uh, your rib cage that boxers tend to have freaking shredded. They're, they look serrated. They look like they're serrated like they're teethed, essentially. Um, look them up if you didn't, if you want to see what a, a rock and awesome serratus anterior looks like because it aids in the the protraction of the scapula, which is really important. All right, I'm getting a little too uh, into the reads. Erector spinae. Erector, erector meaning upright, right? This is where we get the erector, erectus abdominis as well right? When we erect something, we make it upright. Rectus abdominis, rectus meaning upright, abdominis, the genitive form of abdomen, of the abdomen, the upright muscle of the abdomen. If we, if we didn't have our six-pack muscles, we would fold over and we'd be a little like gumbies, you know? So everybody has a six-pack muscle, even if you can't see it. It's keeping your torso upright as well as your erector spinae on the opposite back. And this is also a part of your core musculature, but people don't really think about that. The erector, the upright spinae is actually a genitive singular with that AE. We see that it's going to be first declension feminine. So spine of the spine. So the erector, the upright muscle of the spine or the erector of the spine, that's going to be your, well, your back muscles, right? That are going to be kind of right there where your lumbar spine is. Um, again, it has several muscle insertions or I'm sorry, origins rather it's insertions is on the vertebral column. Um, and it extends and rotates the spine. So if you think about it, if you extend, start 
pushing your stomach out and opening up and looking up to the sky and now you're extending your back and now you might get a little bit of a cramp if you extend a little too much. Now, that's what your erector spinae is doing. Uh, but also what it's doing, just like I said, is rotating the spine. So now if you think about it, your spine is a pretty mobile thing. Your spine is going to be rotating. Um, and that's what the erector spinae is doing. It's aiding in that motion because we are these very movement kind of creatures. Anyways, there we go with that. It rotates the spine. And then just to further um, talk about it here, the antagonist antagonistic muscles are going to be the quadratus lumborum and the psoas major. Quadratus means literally the squared muscle. It's the having been squared, quadratus is actually a perfect passive participle of a quadratum, essentially. And then lumborum is the genitive singular, having been squared of the loins, essentially. It looks like a square muscle, um, the quadratus lumborum. And the way that I explain to people, the quadratus lumborum is usually activated when you don't know it. Think about whenever you're holding something on one side of your body and you got to flex your core um, in order to keep your core upright. That's your quadratus lumborum getting engaged there. So if you want to do, if you if you want to strengthen your quadratus lumborum, do a lot of um, uh, unilateral or uh, side lateral movements, contralateral movements. Um, so that you are loading one side of the core versus the other side and having to engage. That being said, let's get into the next one here. The flexor carpi radialis here. Flexor meaning to flex, carpi referring to of the wrist, and radialis of the radius essentially, right? So it goes from flexor carpi, which is also genitive singular, radialis is also genitive singular, so in this case, in Latin, it's the flexor of the wrist, essentially. Um, and then we have the flexor carpi radialis as well as the flexor carpi ulnaris, right? We, because radialis is of the radius, and then ulnaris is going to be of the ulnar. So we have one that flexes uh, the wrist of the uh, more so for the radius and then for the ulnaris. So if you think about it, if you have your wrist, you can actually take your wrist and you can either flex it one way or the other way dependent on, and that's going to be either the carpi radialis or the flexor carpi ulnaris. I'm really trying to focus on the hands right now and the wrists and the, uh, those processes because I just want to show you guys how important and how many muscles and how many different processes that work all together in tandem to make these functional movements that we go about in our daily day, day to day lives. All right. So then, if it's the flexor of the wrist for the radial or the radius, this is going to be originated on the medial epicondyle of the humerus. The insertion is going to the ba be the base of the second metacarpal bone. It's going to flex the wrist, like I said, and the antagonistic muscle in this case is going to be the extensor carpi radialis longis and brevis, like I said, which is going to be flexing it in a different or extending it in a different direction. So like I said, we have the flexor carpi radialis, the flexor of the wrist of the radius, flexor carpi ulnaris, flexor of the wrist of the ulna. In this case, the origin is on the ulna. The insertion is the piriformis bone. It's going to flex the wrist and the ulnar, ulnar deviates the hand essentially as well. And uh, 
its antagonistic muscles are going to be the extensor car carpi radialis longus and brevis as well. Next two ones that I want to get into are the flexor digitorum profundus as well as the superficialis. Profundus means deep. Pro means four or before and fundus um, means deep. So towards the deep, um, essentially. So remember, we have deeper visceral muscles versus superficial muscles. So these are going to be all the muscles that are going to be flexed and you're going to see happening in that um, in your forearms right now. So in Latin, flexor digitorum profundus orum is going to be genitive plural ending of the fingers digits digitorum or digitus in Latin means fingers. Um, so it's going to be the profundus, the deep flexor, the deep flexor of the fingers. Its origin is the ulna and radius base, or its insertion is the base of the distal phalanges in the fingers. Distal meaning uh, away from, so it's going to be towards the tips of your fingers as well. Flexes the fingers, and the antagonistic muscle is going to be the extensor digitorum. Um, extensor digitorum superficialis, these are going to be the superficial flexor muscles of the fingers, right? So we have the deeper flexor muscles and the superficial flexor muscles. The superficial are originated on the middle phalanges of the fingers versus the deeper ones are just or originated on the ulna and the radius, the bone themselves. The superficialis muscles are also inserted at the base of the middle of the phalanges of the fingers rather than the distal phalanges of the fingers with the um, the profundus, the deeper flexor muscles. Again, these are going to do the same thing that the profundus do, aka flex the fingers, and they are going to be antagonized by, this, by the same muscles, the extensor digitorum. So they almost, almost act antagonistically uh, to one another because you can move your fingers in so many different directions. It's just, think about it, start doing it. Like, think about it, like how interesting you can move them left, right, up, down, curl them, uncurl them, extend them fully, make them into a fist. Kind of cool. Last one that we're going to do is the flexor holicus longus. In Latin, flexor, Again, to flex, holicus. Well, what did we say holicus is? Well, holux in the Latin means big toe. So holicus, that is, is genitive singular, aka we're going to turn that into a possessive noun of the big toe. So the flexor holicus longus. What do you think longus means again? Well, why don't we put it all together and let's do, you're going to do some Latin right now. Longus, the long flexor, flexor, and then halakis. How did we make big toe as a possessive noun altogether? The long flexor of the big toe. How would we do it if we didn't want to do of the and we wanted to show possession in a different way for big toe? Why We would say the big toes with a ticky mark S, the apostrophe S, again, indicating possession. The big toes long flexor. Its origination is going to be on the tibia and the fibula. Its insertion is the base of the distal phalanx of the big toe. The distal meaning, you know, towards the away from um, versus proximal means closer. Distal means away from. It's like when you are distant versus being proximal for in closer proximity. All right. That's where we get those words from. 
its action flexes the big toe and its antagonist is going to be the extensor hallucis longus as well because the extensor is going to be the exact opposite motion of a flexor. So if you think about flexion, flexion is the action of a muscle like when you flex. Take your bicep, flex it, pull it up. Now what are you going to do? You're going to extend it. Now that you're extending it and you're bringing it back down, you're in turn engaging your triceps. See how we have all these muscles that work both in tandem and also antagonistically to one another? That's how our body works. There's a yin and there's a yang. There's a flexor to an extensor. There's an abductor to an adductor. There's an, well, I'm thinking about extension again, like hip extension versus hip flexion, for instance. You, you have knee flexion, which is going to be the predominant action of your hamstring versus knee extension, which is going to be the predominant action of your quadricep muscle. So see how, how all these things work in tandem to just make our body into this mobile, um, amazing creature that moves through space. I don't know. I'm going to leave it there. I hope you guys learned something. I'll provide as much information as I can in the show notes. Hopefully, I can provide all of what I've written down here in the show notes so that uh, you guys have some reference. A lot of the time, I have to cut down my show notes because Spotify for Podcasters actually gives a limit to the amount of word counts I put in my uh, description. So hopefully, I can fit it all in there. So thanks again, you guys. Why don't we take a moment? and think the amount of processes and neural connections and muscles and fibers that innervate our hands and wrists and and how they connect us to the world our hands connect us to the world imagine if we didn't have our hands what is going to connect us to our world the stubs if we didn't have hands we just have stubs what would we do the the the, the most amazing thing about the human body is that we do have these dexterous fingers and hands that help us hold each other's hand, to hug one another, to, to embrace each other, to hold your cup of coffee in the morning, to hold your kid, to hold your iPhone, to hold 450 pounds while you're deadlifting. I don't know. Thanks again, everybody. Thank yourself and thank the amazing thing that your body is. Because sometimes we don't think about that. And that's what it's all about for me is thinking critical about the things that we have become so um, conditioned to just be used to. We don't think about it. So why think about it a little bit more critically? Because that's what it's all about for me. Until next time, tempo sestis, Gellerin.